A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! One, two... The final pre-season friendly ends in defeat on penalties for City. Would we have it any other way from the spot? Not exactly City's speciality, is it? So let's talk through the Community Shield and everything that happened at Wembley this afternoon. I'm David Mooney, joined by the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. How are things? Uh, yeah, good. Um, I had no intention when thinking about how this summer was going to work of getting up and watching the Community Shield on the laptop. Uh, but that's exactly what I did. It was only a 1am <laughs> kickoff, so I thought we'll give it a go. Uh, and as you can tell, I'm regretting it slightly. Um, but no, it was a, I thought it was a good game. I thought it was an interesting game. Um, but yeah, I'm, oh, I'm good. Some might say I'm mental for doing that while I'm on holiday, but <laughs> when we set up Let Me Talk, we didn't really build in holiday pay. No, so, we didn't, did we? Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it was one of them, though. We Not so much we... holiday pay, but... but... Ability to take yeah. a break, yeah. <laughs> Ability to take a break, yeah, exactly. We, we said we'd make it work, however, and this is how it's working. I think work. I think getting up at five on Saturday for Burnley will be all right. I think that's getting up at five as as a father of a three year old is there's still enough muscle memory there remembering how to do it. Yeah. Um, but getting up in the middle of the night and then going back to bed and being up for half seven reminds me of watching the Royal Rumble when it was on Channel 4 when I was in like year 7 and year 8 never um, did that and that was tough and it hasn't gotten any easier when you're like mid 30s yeah never did that so I don't know what it don't know what it's like but then again you know anybody that knows me that's listened to this knows that I don't sleep anyway so you know swings and roundabouts um was it before we before we get into the like everything that happened was it you a few weeks ago that was trying to convince me that Rodri should be one of City's penalty takers <laughs> I think there's video evidence of it. We were talking about ideal penalty shootout takers for the for the final. It's funny because so we interviewed him. Oh God, he's selling embargo, Jesus! But basically, he was saying. In fact, no, I think they've they changed the embargo for the stuff on his goal. So I think I'm all right. Um, so the Champions League final goal, he was saying normally he likes to just hit it with power, but he thought there were so many people. When, when the ball was coming across for his for his goal in the Champions League final, there were so many people. He thought, if I hit this with power, it you know it might get deflected. Um, so he tried to put a bit of curl on it. So when he was stepping up yesterday, I thought, I know he had that one against Spurs a couple of years ago, the, the penalty. But um, maybe he's just going to try and 
hit it with power again and you know go natural instincts but he, he I can't remember the Spurs one exactly but it was basically that but he didn't get lucky and it go in he, he, it he basically made exactly the same penalties he did in, in the shootout except Larice somehow dived through it yeah yeah um, what a, what a shambles eh that what I mean it, the game overall I mean a draw was probably fair Arsenal had decent chances but obviously City had the one moment of quality and then Foden should have finished it off. Um, City were probably better for what, the 20 minutes at the start and then 25 minutes at the end? So there's yeah. 45. Arsenal probably had the 45 in the middle. Um, but I, that when that goal went in at the end, bearing in mind, I was like, okay, let's get this over with so I can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went in like that. And then off, the way they were celebrating it, and then they showed Arteta. I was like, "Have some shame, lads. That is the most deflected, like nothing preseason goal." I mean, look, it shows that they're up for the new season or whatever. But you know, they were kind of one criticism. I'm not sure how fair it was, but one criticism was of how overly emotional they were last year. And then this, it was like, okay, yeah, still, still very emotional. But obviously, I get it. They're at a different, different end of their journey, and it was quite funny because, to be fair. They showed on on the TV like city kids like like fans who of city who were kids they were like crying so obviously it hurts to lose and stuff but it's it is funny like how Arsenal are just kind of like new new to this experience whereas city obviously they wanted to win it and you know the club would have enjoyed winning it and the fans would have enjoyed winning it but it's just like it's not it's not that deep lads um, but I mean we'll we'll see how we'll see how next season goes in terms of Arsenal and stuff but um, they. They were pretty good, you know. The because the, the we spoke at half time, didn't we? Mm. And you were like, well, not, "Might not have much to talk about here." And I was like, "Here's all these notes that I've, that I've got." Um, I <laughs> you you really and me work very differently, don't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't always have notes, but I thought I need to might need to remind myself if I'm sleeping in between and um, watching it and doing the show. Um, yeah, I just thought um, I just thought it was really fascinating how. Like Arsenal's pressure and City's constant attempts to get out of it and we talk about how teams may look sharp um, you know at this stage of the season particularly City because we know they, they were less prepared than Arsenal and I think it would have been funny because I think probably after about an hour if Arsenal had gone on to win it or taken one of their chances we'd have probably said oh yeah City didn't look quite that sharp um, and it is overall it is fine we know that they're not normally at maximum fitness at this time of the season and they lost the last two community shields and they went on to win the league and then obviously last year the treble, so it is fine. But but we'd have been saying, oh yeah, you could tell they were lacking a bit of sharpness. But I then thought, obviously with, I, I, yeah. with their heading towards City winning, it looked like they're, they're, they're okay, to be fair. I thought the sharpness thing was interesting because I actually thought like the period where City got back on top was after they took off a load of players. <laughs> like they, they looked a lot more sharp just with the freshness of new players. And it's like, obviously, like when you talk about how, how seriously you're trying to push to win it, like if this was a, a, a game that Guardiola was, was seriously pushing to win, he doesn't take Haaland off and bring Cole Palmer on. But like, obviously mm. it's that minutes in the legs thing that we've been, you know, banging on about. Um, yeah. But uh, like, as soon as th- those changes happened, again, City just started to look sharper again. Uh, yeah, like with with De Bruyne coming on, I was like, oh God, like this is going to be the rustiest performance you've ever seen in your life. And he was um, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was all right. And there was that period, I think it was in the last 10 minutes in normal time, not not the 15 minutes of added on time. We'll get to that, yeah. And when, yeah, um, that's going to be shit, isn't it? But um, 
he was he was on either side of the pitch about 15 20 yards inside the Arsenal half maybe a bit less and he was just like winning throw-ins off their full-backs or midfielders and it was like yeah this is this is a man who's kind of in control of the situation and it was the perfect kind of city seeing out a victory I think there was another time as well when I think maybe the ball got cleared from a a city set piece and I can't remember which Arsenal defender it was back but he was but De Bruyne was there and he and he tackled them and it went out for a throw-in, just for an Arsenal throw-in, but it was like, yeah, that was good. Like there was there was just little things like that that was kind of heading towards like a comfortable, yeah, fairly comfortable, I suppose, City victory, especially considering Foden should have scored. And I, I don't know, are we going to get a chance to mention that again? But we mentioned in Asia, didn't we? Like, come on, mate, like, to score one of these one-on-ones. Yeah. Um, so there's that too. Um, but yeah, all, all kinds of different um, things of interest. And we have we have got a list now, so I'll leave it up to you which way which way we go with it first. Let's start with uh, the centre um, because it's it's kind of the the, the kind of Rodri Kovacic axis then in the middle um, where it looks it, it's strange because it looks like Kovacic has been there a lot longer than he has been. Yeah, man, um, he looked really good, really good. I like it. Um, so it's interesting with that with his role because. He's he's kind of perfect for dropping in and sitting alongside Rodri and doing that, helping City build out from the back. And I think I think I mentioned that in an article about him. But I also mentioned it in the context of when Stones is going into midfield, which obviously he wasn't asked to yesterday, but presumably he will. Well, he will be at some point next season, and maybe um, Guardiola now now he's in. Um, but anyway, whoever does it, you don't need that third guy there. You're not going to have that third guy there. So. I mean, maybe that just becomes a part of if City sign a winger or they put Foden on the right, then they just keep Bernardo. Bernardo stays higher and that's it. But um, if Kovacic is playing, then that's when he's going to be staying higher. And now at halftime last night, I'd look at my FPL team because I hadn't done it. You know, I think I mentioned on a podcast ages ago, unless it's one of the details ones that haven't come out yet. I did it um, when I was in Portsmouth, like start of July or something. I haven't mm. looked at it again. And like Foden not starting made me think, oh, I need to make some changes here. And then Ake is obviously injured, so I was like, oh, might need to change that. But I got down to like only having five million left for a midfielder, and there's not a lot of options. And I know this is FPL chat, but it is relevant because I'm going to come back in and say I put Kovacic in there because during preseason, both him and Pep said, you know, he's learning and he's playing different positions, and he's not just going to be a holding midfielder, which we did see in what the second preseason game against Bayern yeah. obviously in the first preseason game we saw him more advanced um, and I think eventually like I say we're not going to need to see him dropping in alongside Rodri like that because there will be a centre back to do it or a right back or a left back whatever someone else is going to do it and he'll be higher up so it'll be interesting then to see I guess if he's adding the goals to his game I think that was one thing he said as well he said that's an area of his game that he's not really had but he's looking forward to adding Um so that's kind of what he can do or has to do. But I, I thought I thought he was very good. I thought he was I thought it was very good actually. Um, like you say, it looks like he's been there a while. I don't I don't want it to be like a, a dunking on Calvin Phillips session, um, but it does kind of show up his task and his situation now. Like it was already hard enough, and then they bring in a new guy and perhaps throwing him into a game. Look, it's not the biggest game in the world because, like you say, bringing on Palmer probably doesn't happen in a in a must-win match of like real importance. But he started with his 
the strongest team he thought could win the game and mm. Kovacic was in it and he looked very good and that's another obstacle for Phillips to overcome and when we were talking last year about okay hypothetically how does his brilliant second season go and it's like well maybe there's an injury to Rodri and other players and he has to come in and not maybe if that happens um, and Kovacic has is being used further forward then that's it but at this point, you just think, well, if Rodri can't play for whatever reason, then Kovacic is just going straight in there. And it wouldn't be perfect for the team. You know, there'd be things he needs to learn. But in terms of pecking order, he's there already. Um, and just the other thing I wanted to mention was something that I mentioned from the first preseason game against Yokohama. Just that intention to play the ball to Haaland. Yeah. And it was, I think it was after 24 minutes. Because a lot of the first 20, 25 minutes, in terms of City being the better team, they had a lot of the ball. Didn't get, didn't all, much. Didn't yeah. get forward an awful lot. It was just they did very well to to get through and sustain and and withstand Arsenal's pressure and they managed that very well. But about twenty four minutes in, they're the usual. If you imagine a game in the first half of the Etihad where City are and where the opposition are, they had that position. So you know, basically, City got the other team in the final third, and he played the ball directly into Haaland's feet. And you think well, that was one of the things that Guardiola wanted—not just the balls in behind but just looking for him in build-up situations like that. And maybe because he wasn't conditioned previously to play with a false nine. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, yeah. Or play in a different way. He's just like, okay, I'm going to play for the striker because obviously you would do. Yeah, because everywhere else he's played, that's what you would do, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's that. And also there was another one where, I can't remember what minute it was, but Haaland was breaking away and he did play the ball in behind. It went a little bit wide and Haaland didn't gun towards goal and just kind of came back in. But you think, okay, there's that pass again. There's that pass in behind again. And he again, he was the only one who did it. And Lee Dixon at the start of the second half was saying, Haaland kept making those runs, but his, his teammates didn't pick him up. Now, I didn't really notice that on TV, but obviously I did pick up the obvious example of the pass that was made. And that was Kovacic. And yeah, like, like you said, he looks like he's been there a while. He fits in. He's really slick. Um, again, because it would be easy to lose possession under that type of pressure. And I think... If anyone lost possession under that type of pressure, it was probably Rodri. But then again, that was, but that was probably, I think, if I'm remembering rightly, towards the end of the game. And Kovic has already gone off by then, so fair enough. But yeah, he looked good in that role and he also looked good with finding Haaland. And I'm, I've been really impressed. I'm looking forward yeah. to see. Because obviously he's going to have stuff oh. that he can learn as the season goes through. But he's starting from a very high point, I think. Yeah, I was going to, like, in terms of, of how he fits in, because obviously um, it's not like for like with Gundogan. It's not a you come in, you just do what Gundogan did sort of thing. Guardiola does that thing of I look at your skill set and how I can build the team and kind of what you can add and add to it, that sort of thing. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I know we've got a very small sample size in that, you know, he's played a few preseason games together with Rodri and he's played the Community Shield with Rodri as well. How do you see it working between them two over the course of the season? Is it going to be a case of of that that sort of that box that Guardiola was building? Is 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 it going to be Kovacic dropping in there more often than not, or is it or is he going to play ahead of of Rodri a little bit more? What do you reckon? There was something Stone said um, again in one of the interviews in in this was in Seoul. He just said he looks at. Pep looks at players' strengths or weaknesses, or just maybe just strengths, and he picks uh, a team based on that and how he thinks those strengths are going to help beat the opposition. And it was funny yesterday because with the Kanji at left back, they were able to switch the ball to him a couple of times, like they could to Walker, because obviously Walker can win an aerial if you need to, and a Kanji the same. Like they switched the ball to the left yesterday, and I was like, that's weird, because you just don't normally see it with City. But with the Kanji playing there, they could do it. And those little tweaks and those little things like, okay, well, so-and-so is playing today, so we can do it this way. 
And then we talked, I think it was last week, when we talked about Mares and Walker. Like now, if Guardiola could have his time again, would he pick a different team for the Champions League final, knowing that leaving Mares and Walker out kind of sealed their decision to leave? Now, obviously with Walker, we'll talk about that situation, but anybody who's seen yeah. my story and Twitter over the last few days kind of get an idea with that. Um, but now you've got a situation with Kovacic where he could come in for a game like that when he when Pep knows that he is going to be the one to drop next to Rodri. And if we're talking about the box where you've got two midfielders at the base and two, midf- two midfielders further up, then he's going to be one of those two. But also he might know that actually, well, we do need Stones to go into midfield for a million different reasons that I can't really fathom. And whether he's going to go in from right back or left back or... Well, somebody's going to go in from left back maybe or whether Stones is going to go in from centre back or right back then you go well Kovacic can play further up because like I say in pre-season they were both talking about them playing in different positions and I've yeah. written already this summer that they see him as playing as a number eight primarily really um, but then it's like maybe if they've got a winger on the right maybe it's Cole Palmer season maybe it's Foden maybe it's Michael Alisi maybe it's somebody else and then as long as they've got a right winger then Bernardo plays in the middle and then he's obviously going to partner either De Bruyne or Alvarez or Foden or whoever. Um, Kovic is probably then on the bench. And it just goes back to this idea of strengths and who Guardiola sees for that particular game. So I don't think at the moment... Because eventually Gundogan was that first choice, wasn't he? But even yeah. at the start of last season, I don't, I don't think he played like all the games. Whereas towards the end of the season, he was only not playing if he needed a rest. Um. And I think that that was that was even the case at the end of the season before last, when he, you know he wasn't very happy that he wasn't playing Gundogan. Um, so it wouldn't be a surprise if if Kovacic wasn't playing for a start, because even Gundogan, who's kind of achieved this mythical status now, even he didn't play every game. Um, but I think it's just a case of what Guardiola needs from Kovacic. And the good thing is, like Gundogan, he obviously sees him as very versatile. Now he's not at that level yet. But there was that picture in the program yesterday, wasn't there? That Simon Bukowski put on Twitter. There was like a quote, but it didn't say who the quote was from. And it was a feature on Kovacic and it said, it was something like, he's essentially, or in that number eight role, he's effectively, or essentially, or basically, whatever, better than Gundogan. And it's like, well, who said that? That's mental. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen who said that. <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I need to find that out actually. But that that is, that's just a mad thing to say and it, and it isn't true. But in terms of the versatility, that's what it'll be demanded to do. But yeah, like I say, it, it's just going to depend on the game. Because next, you know, if if at Burnley they want someone to go into midfield from from the defence, then it'll either play further up or he'll be on the bench. And Guardiola will just pick somebody else with a with a different strength. Yeah, can can Rodri get some more rest this season? Do you think? Because he he's he played a lot yeah, last year. I think so. I think I think so. I think Guardiola will have the, the trust in Kovacic, and it, it may even just be you know home games against Sheffield United or whatever. Um, but you know, even FA Cup semi-finals against Sheffield United, actually, um, given that he didn't play Phillips in that, but I, I think so. Yeah, uh, you know, there'll be a bit of a, a gap in quality between Kovacic and Rodri. I think Rodri's best and where Kovacic is right now. Um, but I, I think I think Pep will will trust Kovacic to do that. And again, going back to Phillips, it just kind of shows that how difficult it's become. And I, you know, there was that story earlier in the window, wasn't there, about Bayern Munich? I don't know if they were ever in for him or, or will go back. But the story said they're going to wait until later in the window. Um, I'm sure it said until 
Phillips realises his situation. And now that, that sounds accurate. That sounds like a club who know what's going on with Phillips in terms of he wants to stay. But if if he is going to go, it's going to have to come at a time when it gets nearer the season and he goes, actually... I'm not playing here. Yeah. As much as I want to make it here, I've got a mountain to climb. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's the other situation with him. But, yeah, in terms of in terms of giving Rodri a rest, I'm sure Pep will trust Kovacic to do it. And, again, just to say, like, I do hope that Phillips can do something this year because I said a couple of times, we go back to the excitement last summer of signing Phillips and thinking about what he could bring. It was kind of exciting new signing time. And, OK, it's, it's unlikely, maybe, that we'll see that. But in terms of what I'd like, that, that would be, you know, a great, great benefit to everyone if, if he could... If he could get a run in the team, and it just frees everyone up, and it helps massively, doesn't it? Because at the moment, when we're talking about depth and options, we almost don't even consider him because realistically, um, he isn't an option, is he? Like towards the end of last season, where we were talking about rest and rotation, nobody was saying play Phillips really. I mean, least of all Pep. But yeah, with Kovacic, loads of different things you can do with him. Coming up after a short ad break, we'll talk about the performance of Stefan Ortega, and we'll look at Manuel Lacanji's role at left back. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. I want to wax lyrical about Stefan Ortega because um, yeah. he's pretty good, isn't he? He's really, really good. Yeah. Um, good saves. Like he, he does have a habit of making just like key saves. And I suppose the ones yesterday, by his standards, weren't especially um, outstanding. But the, they were the one with his foot was good, pretty good, I solid. thought. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they were they were really good. I mean, he's made some really good ones before, hasn't he? Like even in preseason, he's made some where you think, "How's oh, he kept that one out?" These ones were just like, "Okay, yeah, that's kind of standard Ortega by this point." Um, and yeah, obviously, I I put in the notes a couple of mentions of him, and I, I genuinely did think he was very good. Um, but I, I suppose just devil's advocate, what I would say, there was a, just a few times with his kicking because his kicking is very good. Um, and again, you've got, we talked about Diaz at the end of last season. Even if he's not got 
the range of pass really or the subtlety of pass Diaz he's brave enough to hold yeah. on to the ball in difficult situations and again Ortega's Ortega brave with it yeah last night Ortega's very brave with it um, but there was a few he just like put, put into the crowd and maybe maybe I've got this mythical idea of Edison because obviously look he, he gives the ball away sometimes but you just think that's a bit of a difference there but then I suppose if the other difference is he's making saves that Edison wouldn't necessarily make then it does you know it swings around about and one thing I'll say about Ortega I don't know if I said it exactly this way but earlier in the summer I was told that if I think I did say it if Edison hadn't have had such a big end to the season with big performances in the Champions League in particular Pep may have gone into the season look maybe he is maybe he still is but Pep may have gone into this season with Edison on the bench and Ortega starting because he really really likes Ortega and as as we know in that middle period of last season Edison was struggling a little bit but he did he obviously did improve and apparently you know he's kind of kept his kept himself ahead in the race to be City's number one um, but you think about pre-season friendlies I'm sure Ortega was starting more often than not and Edison came on um, and then obviously he started yesterday but that may be a cup goalkeeper kind of thing but I suppose it would be no it'll be no surprise whatsoever and absolutely fair enough more than fair enough deserved if Edison starts at Burnley but it would be interesting to kind of just just keep an eye and see oh is is, is he tempted to go with Ortega because yeah. there apparently was that temptation towards the end of last season which is huge really because just in terms of how well Ortega's done but obviously Edison's um, you know bit of a blip in the middle and how much it affected um, Guardiola's thinking yeah um, just going back through City's previous uh, Community Shield appearances it's really hard to tell you know um, he played Claudio Bravo a couple of times um, in uh, when he after he'd already signed Edison and he was uh, he was back up um, he played uh, Edison last season against Liverpool and the year before against Leicester uh, he played uh, Zach Steffen but Edison wasn't back from I think it was international duty that summer was it maybe um so it was, uh, it, it, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's been a real mix of whether he's picked the first choice or, or second choice goalkeeper in the uh, in the Community Shield. So not necessarily um, a hint to to which way round it is this season from from Ortega there. But uh, I, I mean, I, I was going to say, like, surely Ortega himself must be looking at Edison's position, going, "I can take that." Like as good as Edison was at the end of last season, Ortega would be backing himself, going, "I, I actually, I can have this position in a way that maybe Zach Steffen and and Claudio Bravo couldn't in the past." Yeah, well, in that sense, it's definitely closer. I suppose the only issue is if if he was, you know, hypothetically having this kind of thought in his head, "I can have this," you then get to the end of the season and Edison has a great game in the Champions League final, for example, or the one against Bayern at home in particular. And you, you'd, you kind of think, oh, fuck's sake, it was so close. <laughs> and then it's yeah. not. Do you know what I mean? You know, if you were thinking it, you'd think, oh, God, this guy just keeps putting it out of the bag. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of that pecking order, it, it, is, it is much closer between those two than I suppose it has been with any other um, city number two for a long time now. In fact, yeah. as soon as Edison's come in, that's just been it, hasn't it? It's just, there's been a, a fairly, yeah, I suppose a fairly big drop because Bravo was obviously a good goalkeeper in his career overall, but... If you were to ask any City fan, was there a big drop between him and Edison? Then yes, there obviously was, and there was that season with, in fact, Murich. Murich was number two, wasn't he in the in the hundred point season? Yeah, and then yeah, after that, Stefan and maybe I'm forgetting somebody else before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stefan, poor old Stefan. He's probably regarded as almost as badly as Bravo, just because of that. If you make a mistake against Liverpool, as we kind of discussed with Mahrez's missed penalty then you're fucked basically that's it isn't it that's that's yeah. the line if you make a mistake against Liverpool then 
You've had it. God help you. Good you are afterwards. Yeah, God help you. Um, Just sticking with uh, the defence and the the kind of solidity, um, you touched on Akanji before at uh, at left-back. Obviously, going into this season, City haven't gone out and signed full-backs. They've not kind of changed how they're looking to play from the end of last season. Um, You imagine um, Akanji and Ake will will, will share the left-back role throughout the season. Um, What did you make of Akanji on the left? Yeah, he, he carried it down the left at one point after about 15 minutes. I was like, oh, that was good. Who's that? Oh, it's a Kenji. Um, good in the the duels again, the one-on-ones. Like I said, the ability to switch the ball to him was good. Um, a great challenge on in the Saka, end. yeah. Yeah, so Saka did get in behind him, didn't he? But recovered really well. Obviously, there was that one at the end, well, the deflection at the end, which you can't do anything about, can you? That's just that's just unlucky. But I thought, I thought he was good. Um, loads of different... Well, not yeah. I suppose it is loads of different options, isn't it, at left back? Because um, Ake, because I, I obviously seeing the team, I managed to get the ITV working after about a minute of the game. I saw the team, I was like, oh, Ake's not playing, and then and then they mentioned the injuries. Oh, of course. Um, so that's up because of that. So I, initially, I was like, it's interesting, Ake is not playing, and the Kanji is. So that's a bit harsh. But it's one of those where anything would be harsh. But it turns out he's obviously injured. Hmm. And I just forgot because it was one a.m. Um, <laughs> but he, he should be back at some point soon. But then obviously you've got the issue of, let me say issue, issue in terms of who's going to start. But it's a, it's a good problem to have. You've got the, you've got the thing with Guardiola now. So um, it, it makes sense to use him most as a, as a left back. But I suppose, hmm, yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit of a numbers game, isn't it? Because if you, if you shuffle well, stones across the right back and you could have Diaz and Guardiola. Yeah. Centre back, but you've still got Ake or Kanji left back. So I mean, look. To be fair, last week we were talking about the squad being thin, so it's good. It's good. It's good that there are options. But you, you could kind of feel loyalty to those guys from last season, and you just think they they should all play somehow. But even then, you know that meant Walker not playing in the Champions League final and Ake mm. not playing in the in the FA Cup final. That, that is just football, isn't it? Yeah. All I was thinking is is maybe Guardiola offers um, in the in the sense of when Stones is a centre back and City do that thing where they switch to a back three and and everybody moves around. Um, kind of Stones can step out to the right hand yeah. side. Um, you've now got the inverse of that ability with uh, with Guardiola. But then thinking about it, you had that with Ake anyway, didn't you? Yes. Um, yeah. Exactly. There's there for for as kind of weird as the options look at centre back. And even even across the defence, sorry, uh, and you know in that in that world last week when it still looked likely that that Walker would go, it still felt a bit weird to say, oh yeah, but you know they've got this and they've got that, but they did have versatility and they did have you know inversibility in terms of Akanji going over. Um, yeah, they do have lots of different things they can do, but um, yeah, having having Guardiola in, I suppose. I mean, talk about him slightly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we have done in the past, but in terms of what he gives them. He, you know, he was kind of born to play that centre back as a left back thing, which always kind of, even to well, I'll just speak personally. Like last, maybe even up until like Christmas or until City started doing it in in March April, that idea of a big guy, oh yeah, he can play left back as well. You're like, can he though? Like, it's not the same, is it? But now that's the way that City play it, and it does work. And like speaking about Kanji and how good he looked there yesterday, but also previously. You think, yeah, um, I, I, I could, I could see that working, and he, he is perfect for that. 
Um, it's a far yeah, cry good, from good the days of passing, like good. It's a far cry from the days of Laporte doing it at Anfield, and it just kind of looking a bit disjointed because he was clearly a centre half playing out of position. Yeah, exactly. It, it can often look like that, and I'm sure there were times last season when a centre back playing at full back didn't look great. But we've forgotten it now because in our mind's eye, everybody was perfect every game. Yeah, because they won the treble. <laughs> and to be fair, they weren't they weren't far off that. But I'm sure there were times when it did look awkward. But yeah, it, it's hard to it's very hard to remember that. It, it's much easier to remember them winning every single tackle. And that was the point I made about Gradiol before. Like he's one on one v one defending, which I assumed would be very strong, isn't strong. And when you compare that to the high bar of everybody thinks that Ake, Diasakanji, and Stones never missed a tackle. Not never, never lost a header, never f- fluffed a clearance or whatever. There might be a bit of a oh god, like ninety million euros for this guy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but the rest of what he's got and the the ability for that to improve, um, yeah, it does add up to it, it's an exciting signing. And like I say, to kind of counteract what I've, what I kind of deduced with my own eyes from seeing that is the people at, at Red Bull. You know they're calling him the Harland of defenders, and they think he'll be the best. Like they could, he could be the best defender ever. So, you know, City have certainly got a player of some potential in their hands. And I suppose just going back to signing him and all the kind of impatience, I guess, about oh, what's going on with Guardiola? What's going on? Just pay the money or whatever. Leipzig genuinely did want more than a hundred million. Like that was like their base level plus add-ons. And for whatever reason. Cheeky Bagheerstein has sat there and gone. Hey, you know what? If we make you sweat it out, yeah, you'll you'll meet you'll meet us. We'll, yeah. we'll pay less, and they have. Like, I, I don't. But that's. I mean, I don't know. But what a better point to make is we don't know. So when we're sitting there going, "Oh, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that?" You know, they've sat and waited them out all summer. And look, maybe people say it doesn't matter. You know, for for the sake of ten million euros extra, you could have got him and it had been around for preseason. All right, fine, but. You don't have to. You don't always have to be around for preseason. It's not ideal, but look, City have got their way of doing it, and it didn't result in the player going elsewhere. It didn't result in Chelsea making a bid. It resulted in City getting the player they wanted for the price that they deemed um, for like and just much less than what Leipzig wanted. Like Leipzig genuinely did want like a hundred million euros as a starting point, and they got him for ninety million euros. Um, and I suppose, obviously, the other alternative is just Leipzig never budging and City going, well, forget it, we're not paying an extra 10 million ever. So I think people should be really happy with that signing generally because of who he is and what he could become. But also, just I suppose, very happy because if you were especially impatient about it and wanting it to be done before it was done, it could have gone many different ways, that transfer. But that was that was excellent. And look, I mean, I don't think anybody... Who thinks this is probably listening to this podcast? Maybe there's maybe there's a few, but what I mean by that is, every summer I see a load of like cheeky out stuff and people complaining about Bagheerstein and how he's like his incompetence is being glossed over by like Guardiola's decisions on the pitch. And in fairness, you can certainly say that shortcomings in the squad through injuries or not signing players or whatever have been made up for by Guardiola's just brilliant ideas and brilliant improvisation. That is true, but. There's, I always see it every summer on Twitter. There's always complaints about Bagheerstein, but I never really see them in like real life. I never really see any any City fans that I know have the same things. It just seems to be one of those things that exists online and nowhere else. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to work out where our our kind of listener base falls in that. 
But anyone who does criticise Bagheera Stein, look, maybe they'll continue to anyway because there'll be other reasons that I don't see. But I just think this is one of those deals where you just think if you were criticising him before for not getting the job done or thinking he was going to bottle it or thinking they were going to pull out or thinking that they were too slow or whatever, they played it exactly how they wanted to play it and they've they've got a brilliant deal for, for a brilliant player. Well, that's it for the free version of Let Me Talk. If you subscribe on Memberful, then we get the latest from Sam on a few topics, don't we? Yeah, loads, actually. So, first of all, Carl Walker's future at City and how that seems to be changing. We've got a few details on that. Uh, and then back to the squad and how it could look next season. So, Phil Foden playing through the middle or not. And then Cole Palmer and where he's going to be playing next season, whether that's on the wing for City or somewhere else. We'll find out. And that's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer. They're out earlier as well. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email or send us a voice note, then send it to hello at lmtpod.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search for lmtpod. There's plenty of extra stuff there, completely free as well. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.